So Money Episode 131, Andrew Schrag. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Today's guest is the co-owner of moneycrashers.com. It's a personal finance and lifestyle website that caters to young adults and attracts about a million readers a month and gives my guest an income that rivals his former hedge fund salary. Yes, his name is Andrew Schrag. The site is dedicated to giving practical financial education actionable tips, and strategies that can be easily implemented into your daily life as a way to improve your lifestyle and decrease stress. I'm all for that. Three takeaways from our interview with Andrew, how he decided to leave the comforts of a nine to five on Wall Street to launch his own business. I mean, what did his parents think? He had just graduated from college. How he broke the news that he was leaving to his boss. That's a good story. And advice for anyone starting a personal finance website or blog today. How do you differentiate yourself and really hit a home run? Here is Andrew Schrag. Andrew Schrag, welcome to So Money. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thanks a lot for having me, Farnoosh. Pleasure to be here. I've been a big fan of your website for a long time. I know that it started in 2009 and now it's 2015. It's been six years, which in the blogosphere is like, you know, eons. Uh, I feel as though because I've, I I just have my ear to the ground with what's happening in the personal finance space, especially online. I feel like you've been around for a while, you know, and Money Crashers has really grown uh, impressively over the last uh, six years. This is also, we should mention, a site that you started relatively soon after graduating from college. So very impressive there as well. I really latched on to one part, one aspect of your bio, which is that you managed to turn this blog, this this company that you co-founded, uh, into a, a money-making endeavor that where now you're making more than you made at a hedge fund out of college. How is that possible? Can you please teach me the secrets to how I can have a successful blog and make money where I I can leave my job on Wall Street and do that more more lucratively? Yes, uh, definitely glad to detail that. And as you mentioned, I was working at a hedge fund right after graduation. And I've always wanted to do something entrepreneurial, uh, start something up that can also provide some kind of good for the community, uh, especially educationally. And that's what got me first interested in the concept of a website and and particularly one that focuses on personal finance, which I think is a void in our education system. And I think that was the first step in building something that could sustain itself and provide me with a full-time income is finding a niche that you could fill and provide a need that people are looking for. And that was something that both myself and Gute Park, who I started the site with, decided on as being what we were going to focus on when first building the site. And and, and one strategy we use to kind of keep the pressure off in starting a business is starting the site while working our full-time job. So we would work 
all night. Any extra time we had where we didn't have work to do, we would begin uh, working on the site. And we did that for about a year, built up the traffic, built up some of the cash flow through some of the advertising and got it to a point where we decided it was necessary and important for us to go at it full time. So so we quit our uh, full time jobs at the time and have been working on Money Crashers ever since. I suppose it was helpful to have a an accountability partner because, I mean, listen, working a nine to five and in this case with a financial job, it's not just a nine to five. It's very, you know, um, much a like a 24 hour a day job. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to feel like there's never enough time. Um, how was it really an asset having that, you know, that partner in crime with you? And to this day, you're still partner. So it's working. Yes, I, I, I think it was huge for us. I, I think some people maybe are better at being independent and self-motivating themselves. But as you mentioned, having that accountability partner was huge along the way. Uh, having someone to bounce ideas off of to figure out where we should lead the site, what kind of content should we write about, uh, how to develop our social media channels more. It's always good to have at least two people, I think, to brainstorm different ideas and evaluate what's going to be the best for the site's future or in, in any case, whatever your business is, what, uh, that future to, to talk to other people, bounce ideas off of as you go. And that's been huge having Gute along for the ride. The, the, the space now, it seems very crowded to me. Um, there are a lot of blogs. There are a lot of websites that cater to personal finance, especially to, to millennials. One, how do you differentiate? And two, if Let's say you're someone listening to this podcast and you want to start a financial resource for people online. How do you how do you go about it now? Because in you know between 2009 and 2015, a lot's changed. You guys have had a lot of time to build momentum. How do you uh, how do you hit it out of the ballpark today if you were to do what you're doing? Yes, that's a great question. And as you touched on in the intro, I. I think being one of the, quote, dinosaurs of the personal finance blogosphere has helped us kind of being to the scene earlier than, than the rest in the last few years. Um, and as you mentioned, it is getting more and more saturated. There's hundreds of new financial sites being created every week. What I'd say is a few things. What I find with the majority of these sites is a lot of them aren't dedicated and are not committed. Maybe they don't have that accountability partner. So a lot of them, while they start off with a site for one month, a few months, maybe even half a year or a year, a lot of them do end up falling off because either they're not being held accountable or they're not passionate about it. So, so what I would say is if this is something you're truly interested in and feel it's something you can give back and, and provide some incremental value above and beyond the other um, sites out there, then, then definitely dive in. And, and go for it. Um, as far as differentiating your site, I think it's important to have a very personal aspect to the site. So for example, with Money Crashers, we have a team of writers, but we strongly encourage all of them to talk about their own story, their own journeys, um, how they've come to have the expertise in their particular personal finance subject. And I think that's something that anyone can do. Everyone has a unique story, a unique angle. So try to teach personal finance, provide education, while also telling your story and connecting with the readers 
on a more personal level. I think that's one key way to differentiate instead of just trying to write purely objective content. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think why we gravitate towards some financial experts uh, than others is because we connect with their voice, their story, their personality. So that you got to lead with. I totally agree because you can find out how to get out of debt from, you know, in 10 million ways by just Googling it. You know, there, that information is out there, but what makes it, um, what makes one person better at giving that information than another is maybe their ability to really put themselves out there, be a little vulnerable, show their flaws, be funny, be curious, be connecting with your listeners. And I think, like you said, having that regularity is important too. Don't, you know, uh, make sure that you're there is a consistency into, as to how you're communicating. People want you to be there when they expect you to be there. Exactly. All right, Andrew, you are young. You know, you graduated from Brown University in 2008. You had this stint at the hedge fund, went on to to launch moneycrashers.com. Uh, you know, you've had a very a lot of success in a short period of time. What would you say so far has is something is a financial philosophy that really captures how you've gone about achieving financial greatness? I think it's all about, in my case, practicing what you preach. So obviously one of the key tenets of money crashers is budgeting, saving money, creating additional ways of income, uh, saving for retirement. Everything you find on our site to, to help people in their own personal financial lives is something that I practice and have practiced for a long time. Uh, I've been fortunate enough for my dad to have always taught me some of these good habits, not spending your money on materialistic and, and unnecessary things. And that's something I, I kind of evaluate on a daily basis whenever I come to a purchasing decision or whether I should save or invest or uh, look to retirement options. All those things I'm constantly running through my mind and trying to determine what's the best way to spend or utilize any kind of income that I have. Uh, in some cases, I'll have to talk to Gute and it might involve reinvesting into the website. Uh, for example, we're working on a redesign right now. So I think what's important is that you, you don't never settle for where you currently are and you're always looking for ways to improve your financial life, improve your financial fitness. And I think by, by doing that and constantly analyzing and evaluating you're, you really can't leave yourself in, in a better position than by practicing that. You mentioned your dad. I'd like to just visit now a little bit about a little of your financial journey. Growing up as a kid, what would you say is your biggest money memory? What happened? Take us there. What did you learn? Did you have a lemonade stand? <laughs> I did have a lemonade stand, actually. Um, and, and a lot of my parents' friends, some of their earliest memories of me, uh, probably when I was seven, eight years old, is holding the Wall Street Journal, looking at the New York Stock Exchange, and following some stocks that my father would suggest uh, looking into. I, I hadn't done any investing at the time, but there was always a few companies I would just monitor every day, hold the newspaper open, and it's bigger than my entire body at the time, and just kind of follow companies, see kind of how money can work, how you can build your money by investing and saving. And I think that's probably one of my early earliest memories and something I'm, I'm glad my father kind of brought into my life and, and kind of taught me some of these financial tenants at a very 
early age. Mm-hmm. You uh, went on to go to Brown University and you majored in economics, uh, very applicable to what you're doing now. It seems it's been very much a, a linear process for you. It's like, you know, you had the good grounding growing up, you went to school, you got the good education, you had a stint working in the financial industry, which then parlayed uh, this experience now as a, as a founder of Money Crashers. What did, when did you fail? I want to know. Let's talk about failure and mistakes. Can you share one with us where it was very, very influential and actually helped maybe you know, alter the course of your career or your financial, your financial life? Yeah, uh, there's definitely been plenty of failures along the way. I, I would say one of the more recent ones is just kind of in starting up Money Crashers, we definitely didn't create the necessary income off the bat that that we could have created. We ignored a lot of avenues to build this site and focused in some ways a little too much on aspects outside of content. And we've come to learn that not only are, is the content on our site important, but areas like social media, which we initially ignored for the first couple of years, um, are ones that we've now started to stress on and, and have found that it's made a huge impact on our community, on our site's traffic, and on the overall revenue. Um, and, and I think kind of from a business perspective, we definitely made some mistakes and, and oversights early on with our website by probably in large part because we were new to the web space and didn't know exactly what areas were the most important to focus on. Um, so I think that was probably a failure with regards to money crashers and, and something we've learned from and, and evolved uh, over time to, to build the site and put us at a, at a much better place now than we were uh, six years ago or even when we first quit our jobs. I think we've mm -hmm. experienced some huge growth by just learning along the way. And, and I think that's an important lesson for anyone. I think you're never in a place where you can't learn more. The same can be said for myself. There's always financial areas that I can improve on. I, I could save and invest more than I currently do. And I'm always trying to be more and more disciplined on a daily basis. Were your parents uh, shocked when you said, I'm, I'm leaving the comforts of the financial industry that, you know, the, the guaranteed paycheck and a, a nice paycheck at that to start a website. Were they supportive? Were they hesitant? Yeah, that's a great question. And I was nervous to bring it up initially. They, they had known I had been working on money crashers, but they had always looked at it as more of a hobby, kind of a side income gig. And when I did bring it up that they were definitely supportive, but very hesitant. So I'd say both of those things you mentioned, just because them being raised, they're much more traditional career paths, working until retirement, um, working the nine to five office job. And that was initially what I had foreseen for myself as well. But I think by explaining the reasons for my decision and where I felt the potential could be, and also the fact that I thought the lifestyle would be much better suited to my interests and, and I really enjoy my career way more than I currently was or, or I felt I would be able to if I worked in that office setting until 60, 65. Um, they kind of felt that I was at a young enough age where if I did make a mistake, I could always 
go back to another job or start over again. But they were definitely supportive. And, and that was important for me starting out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to try these things when you're young because you have the time to change your mind and, and not really suffer, you know, t- the consequences that much. Um, it's really, you just look back and you go, well, that was a learning experience. Right. Yes. What is your so money moment, Andrew? This is like a time in your life when you really achieve financial greatness. It, it was a proud moment for you, money moment. What happened? I think the proudest moment is when I called my bosses into the office and told them that I was quitting my job. It was a huge step for me. It was definitely nerve wracking. And I was very scared to begin this journey uh, without a full-time job, without a stable income that I could seriously depend on. And and while it was nerve wracking and, and it was a large step, it was a huge accomplishment. I had already worked for a year at that point on the website and to have been able to build it up to at least enough cash flow where I felt comfortable enough to quit my job was was a big accomplishment for me. So I'd say that was a, a huge kind of so money moment for yeah. myself. Uh, how did you break the news to them? Did they know you were working on this website? Did some of them feel as though that was a conflict? They did. It had come up a little bit here and there, but uh, kind of being personal finance focus, it, it's pretty vastly different than the hedge fund <laughs> Right, arena. right. It's different and, enough. Um. But they, they definitely knew that I had been working on it, but I was clear that I was only working on it at home in my free time and I wasn't distracting at all from work. So the lines of communication were fully open there. And they were definitely disappointed to, to hear my decision and, and they had enjoyed having me on the team. And, and I learned a lot there, but I think we both realized it was probably the best fit for me to take that step if that's what I wanted to do. And, and they were ultimately supportive of it. And, and again, it was... Definitely a huge leap that I took. And looking back, I'm extremely glad I did. And and looking back, it was probably one of the proudest moments I've had, especially from a financial perspective. What was, with regards to the business, though, excuse me. With regards to the business, though, every entrepreneur has one or many moments, right, where they feel like they really hit a point in their career, in their, in their, venture that uh, it just blew them away. You know, it was like everything they ever wanted. They got a great client. They got a huge cash flow. They uh, they got this great deal. What, what would you say is one moment like that with regards to Money Crashers becoming successful? Where was there a time in that website's, you know, history where that happened, where you were like, wow, this is like what we've always dreamed of. This happened. A deal came through something like that? Yeah, I think starting out one of our very long-term goals. So so when I quit my job, we were probably around maybe 50,000 a month in traffic, which which is good, but it's nothing to write home about. It's nothing that unique. A lot of sites have accomplished that. So one of our beginning goals was to hit 1 million in traffic and and it seemed like a very lofty goal and we weren't sure if we would hit it or when we would hit it, how long would it take? And I'd say a, a few, uh, a little over a year after we started working on the site full time, we crossed that 1 million mark. And that was definitely 
a huge accomplishment. It wasn't purely a traffic accomplishment because obviously with traffic comes cash flow and income. And, and we had kind of crossed that barrier and seen a huge increase, not only in traffic, but also the revenue of the site. And that was a big accomplishment, something we celebrated and, and something that made us very proud of, of what we had accomplished up to that point because a lot of sites don't ever hit that one million mark um, and, and we felt that was something that really separated us and, and showed to us that what we were doing with the site was uh, working, it was unique, readers were enjoying it, we were getting great feedback from readers on articles and personal emails saying how much the site has helped them out and all of those things kind of combined made us very proud of what we had done to that point and, and crossing that one million barrier. Awesome. Yeah, that's huge. One million. That's definitely a differentiator. You can now charge more <laughs> from advertisers and affiliates. What's a habit, Andrew, that you practice, a financial habit that uh, really makes sure that you're managing your money the way you want to be managing it, that you're making healthy choices? What would you say? It may not be daily, but it's consistent. Yeah. In my case, it is daily and it comes kind of when you're discussing your wants and your needs when you're making your purchasing decisions. So anytime I take out my credit card or my cash to spend money, I always take a second, maybe five seconds to look at what I'm purchasing and determine whether it's a want or a need. And if it's a need, then that's not a problem. If it's groceries or gas, uh, I'll definitely make that purchase, no questions asked. But if it's a want or even a partial want, I'll be much more strict about whether I really need to make that purchase. I'll think long term, do I really need this? How long will I really use this? Uh, how important is it to spend this money when I could be saving it or investing it? And I do that fairly constantly whenever I'm evaluating a decision or even at a uh, let's say I'm buying lunch or a sandwich, even coming down to toppings. Do I really need? Are you serious? I do. It, it's, Andrew, it's, you make enough money. Get that. Get the extra tomato or the avocado. I can't. I, I have to practice what I preach, and it's <laughs> it's instilled in me. So I I do kind of evaluate that uh, on a daily basis, but especially on on the larger purchases, whether that's uh, some kind of bigger ticket item, more high priced item. Those are ones I'll spend a lot more time on um, determining whether I need it and then also doing the necessary research to figure out how I can get the best deal on that item since you can still buy the item, but you could arguably get 50%, 70% off. Well, you know, it it makes sense. You run a personal finance website. You can't be caught, you know, um, spending frivolously, although that's something different to everybody. Um, but I, I, I kind of, I, I feel what you're saying because I, I too feel as though I cannot go into debt or, you know, do something that's financially, uh, reckless, uh, because I, you know, I got to practice what I preach too. All right. And, and, and just to add to that, one other thing I think is important and still when I talk to people that they don't have a full understanding of is how to handle credit cards and spending because you just mentioned not getting into debt and that's something that I think is probably one of the most important aspects of your financial fitness. So for example, with my credit cards, I've never carried any debt over from one month to the next. I always have paid it off 100% in full 
And that's something I think too many people uh, don't do and don't practice. They, they kind of see the credit card as a little bit of a place where they can carry some debt, uh, get kind of a, a loan at maybe a lower interest rate for a while, depending on what the card's perks are. And that's something I think I've always practiced and have helped me really avoid getting into any uh, large debt is by always paying any debt or loans off immediately and, and never carrying that over. Amen. All right, let's do some so money fill in the blanks. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, that's a lot of money. First thing I would do is? Look into investing in a house or a home for myself. You rent? I currently rent. All right. Well, there you go. That's a lot of money to play with. Yes. The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? My team. We have a very large uh, team here at Money Crashers. Um, having that extra help not only, I think, makes our site better and the experience for our readers better, but it also allows me to delegate more and not try to take everything on myself, which helps my personal well-being and lifestyle. Truly. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is... Travel. I really enjoy traveling to new places and having unique experiences, whether that's just going back home to visit family and friends or going to another country by myself. Um, of course, I would make sure I have a good deal and get a good airfare and all that. But I, that is a guilty pleasure of mine because I think traveling and, and having new experiences is so important. One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is... Interest. I, I think um, I didn't have a full grasp of the compound interest idea and concept. And I think if I had known that earlier on, I, I would have at least started putting more money into a savings account or a CD at a much earlier time, whereas um, probably it didn't become fully known to me and I wasn't fully aware of the power of compound interest until high school and college. Truth. Yeah, that's actually something that I hear from a lot of, of my guests. When I donate money, I'd like to give to blank because? Universities. I like to give back to the education system that I feel has put me in a great place. And I think it's more and more important that people focus on education, not just personal finance or the financial arena. So whenever I can, that's an area I like to donate to. And if they would just make college more affordable. I donate to my alma mater too. And I, I wonder, you know, if there's a way to donate that's a little more uh, beneficial to students. And actually the money that I donate does go towards the scholarship. So I feel like I'm doing my little part because, man, colleges need to like lay off a little bit on the tuition. Don't you think? I agree. It's, it's becoming more break. and more out of control how much they're charging. Out of control is right. And last but not least, I'm Andrew Schrag, and I'm so money because... I practice what I preach, and I love talking about money 24-7. It's something I'm passionate about, and I, I don't just do it as a job. I do it as my lifestyle, and, and it's been an amazing journey, uh, meeting great people like yourself and, and seeing the whole blogosphere and the website of personal finance grow larger than ever. Yeah, and thank you for bringing 
uh, us all this wisdom and and really I feel you're really a great role model for millennials, not just from uh, a personal finance perspective, for, but for also from an entrepreneurial perspective. I mean, to have the the gusto to leave a, a very good job and go and pursue something on your own is, is incredibly impressive. So Andrew, thank you very much. And we look forward to watching your business grow and your success uh, continue. Thanks so much, Farnoosh, and keep up the great work with the amazing podcast. Thank you. That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Andrew, his website is moneycrashers.com. He's on Twitter at the same name, at moneycrashers. We've got all this info at somoneypodcast.com along with the transcript and comments from this episode there. And if you have a question for me, and I hope you do. Submit it at somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. And uh, there's a very good chance that I will respond and answer to your question on the weekends uh, of So Money as I dedicate Saturday and Sunday to responding to listeners' questions. And as a reminder, if you'd like to win a free 15-minute money session with me, hop on to iTunes and leave a review for the show. Every Saturday, I pick one new reviewer to get a free 15-minute money blitz with me. I've been doing this now for over a couple months, and it's really a lot of fun. So if this is something that is that is interesting to you, I would love to uh, give you this opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money.